Well, I, uh, I look around this room this morning and I see the little pockets and I realize the people that I'm going to see at 11 o'clock, which is great. Hey, it's, a, it's tough. You guys made it though. You got up that extra hour. Good for you, man. It's awesome. And we're, we're really glad that you're here today. Uh, man, if you've got uh, kids, students, we had a great weekend this past. Fourth and fifth graders uh, just got back from Superstar. It's kind of a conference for fourth and fifth grade students, which I know they had a wonderful time. We took a huge group, and uh, I was here Friday when they're dropping off. Man, it was so noisy. I couldn't wait to get out of here. It was great. Thanks to all the volunteers, though. You guys really sacrificed. But, um, you know, if you've got a middle school or a high school student, this coming weekend is a big weekend for you. Middle, uh, middle schoolers. Uh, have a special day out on Friday. I think they're going to, well, I don't think, I know, they're going to Malibu Jacks. Uh, so it's a great invite event for uh, you guys if you've got students. And the high schoolers are having a house party at my house. So it's going to be wild. I, I'm going to be there, but uh, I'm probably going to be upstairs. They're going to be downstairs. So it's, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Maybe a little smelly, but it's going to be fun. And if you, if you want some more info, you got students, man, we'd love to have them be a part of that. Talk to uh, Brandon Minot, our student minister, if you get a chance to see him. Or you can swing by Next Steps. They'll point him. You know, if you don't know who that is, they'll point him out to you. But uh, we, we would love for them to be a part of that. And, you know, another thing is to think about, you know, just, just our lives in general and, and the opportunity that we have to come before God and pray and bring our concerns and things like that. Uh, one thing that we've done for, for a, a while, but we kind of had to miss a year in there, is doing a prayer vigil every year around this time. And we're excited to bring that back this year. So we're going to be doing two days of, of prayer. And it'll be in this room. And it's, it'll be uh, uh, Tuesday, May the 29th, and Wednesday, May, March. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. It's Tuesday, March 29th, and Wednesday, March 30th. So coming up in just a couple of weeks. Be on the lookout for that. We'd love to have you sign up and love to have you be a part of the, the prayer vigil there. But we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today. And I'm just going to say this. Uh, we're going to hit it from about the 10,000. I think my microphone might be a little bit loud. I don't know if it sounds loud to you guys, but it certainly sounds loud to me. Uh, but we're going to hit this passage of Scripture at about the 10,000 foot level today. And, and the reason we're going to do that is because I'm not an expert in this. Uh, but we're looking through in this series, we're looking at the book of Mark and looking at these different instances where Jesus in his ministry, you know, when he's, when he's bumped up against something or encountered someone and uh, done these amazing things. And so we kind of come to this part in Mark chapter 5 today and we just can't ignore. So we're going to do our best to look at it and try to understand what's happening and find the, the uh, application to our world and to our lives today. I remember being a kid. And I don't know if, if you guys have ever seen this movie, but when I was a kid, I watched a Jim Carrey movie called The Mask. Anybody ever see that movie, The Mask? Uh, if you've never seen it, I don't know that I recommend it. It's just like a sort of a goofy little movie. But it's, uh, it's about this guy who finds like this ancient mask, and he puts it on, and when he puts it on, it totally like takes him over. He, like this whole other person comes out, and he does this wild stuff, you know, and it's kind of a comedy movie or whatever. But in the morning, like the next day, he has no recollection of anything that he did or anywhere that he went, all that kind of stuff. I think about those of you, maybe if you're like, you know, maybe you're a Marvel Comics fan, you think about the Hulk, you know, Bruce Banner, who's kind of a mild-mannered guy, but when he has this kind of this emotional stress kind of situation, all of a sudden he transforms into the Hulk, and, you know, all this, this whole other persona comes out that, 
you're like, whoa, where, where did this guy come from? We're going to look at a story in the New Testament that may seem stranger than fiction. But it's a record of something that actually happened in Jesus' ministry. Last week we looked at Mark chapter 4 where Jesus calmed the storm. And what we're looking at today comes right on the heels of that story. It says when they got to the other side of the lake. Right? He just calmed the storm. They've landed at the other side of the lake. This is what happens. It says that when Jesus climbed out of the boat, it was a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the burial caves, and he could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists, and he smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself, with sharp stones. Isn't that interesting? Here we are 2,000 years removed from, from this event. And what do we see a lot of people doing to themselves today that are just that are hurting? What are they doing? They're, they're, they're cutting themselves. I'm not saying that person is demon-possessed, but it's just it's, you certainly see the connection to the spiritual realm there. There's something else going on. It's not just, it's not just surface. And, and, and the truth is that we, we've, got, we've got an enemy, a spiritual adversary that, that wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. And Certainly it's the case with this guy. It says in verse 6 that when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran out to meet him and he bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Sounds like every horror movie I've ever watched, you know. But uh, it says, then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. They said, send us into those pigs. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. I thought all week about a you know, pigs fly joke, but we're going to move right on and we're not going <laughs> to dwell there. It said the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. And then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Let's pray. Lord, today uh, we come to this passage in your word that is, to be honest, it's, 
is a little troubling and it's a little hard to understand. But God, I pray this morning you'd help us, uh, that you'd bring some clarity to these words. I know that this, that this is in your word for a purpose and that there's something for us to, to glean and to learn and to, to grow in from it. So, Lord, would you help us to understand it and uh, just speak to our hearts today as we, as we talk about just a tough, tough topic. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'll be upfront. I'm, I'm not an expert in demonology, nor do I want to be, to be honest. I don't really want to think about demons. I don't really like talking about demons. It's just not a topic that I, you know, you bring up in polite discussion, I guess. And, and, and I think it's important that when we approach the scriptures, that we, we don't major in minors. So there are things in Scripture we have to deal with. They're, they're there, but there are some people that they'll take something small and, and they're all about that. You know, just want to focus right there and that's, you know, all of their spiritual, you know, growth. Their focus is right there. And when you consider the entirety of Scripture, demon possession is a pretty small part. I mean, it's there. We can't ignore it, but it's, it's kind of a small, small little thing. And, and uh, so we do need to talk about it. But I, I really don't like talking about demons. The Bible talks a whole lot more about grace and forgiveness and the power of God to heal and, and at work in us and our lives. There's a lot, of, a lot of those positive things. And to be honest, I like to think about that stuff more. Colossians 3, one of those verses that I love, it says, Since, you've, since then, you've been raised with Christ. You know, those of us that have said, yeah, I'm in, I'm following Jesus, that's you. He says, well, then set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things above, not on the earthly things. And I love verse 3. It says, for, for you died, your old life, that old way, it's, it's gone. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And I love that. I, I want to be hidden I prefer to have my life hidden in Christ. There's some, there's some of that dark demonic stuff. I don't want any part of that. I don't want to flirt with any of that kind of stuff. I'm happy to be hidden away with Jesus. But, but I, I want to be really, really, really clear here. Crystal clear. And I know somebody's going to misinterpret what I'm about to say. So listen really closely. Because this is important. When we approach the topic of spiritual warfare... And demonic activity, most of us do one of two things. We either give Satan too much credit or not enough. There's balance. We, we either everything we think that everything's of the devil, everything's satanic, everything's you know demon, and some that person must be possessed and whatever else. Or we we just pretend that he doesn't. I mean, what would be one of the greatest lies that Satan has ever? Uh, gotten some of us to believe is that he doesn't exist, that there is no influence there. We've got to recognize the reality that there's a spiritual realm that we can't see with our eyes. Every so often we get a glimpse of it, but there are spiritual forces at work in our world, maybe even more so than we would care to admit. But what I want to say up front, and before we go any further, when I, when I think about possession and what it looks like for someone to be possessed by a demon. I think about it like a house. And this is kind of maybe overly simplistic, but it works. You think of yourself. The, body, the Bible says that our bodies are like a temple, right? The temple of the Holy Spirit. And when I think about our, ourselves, you've got some people that may be demon inhabited. And then you've got many that are just uninhabited, 
And then there are those of us that are inhabited by the Spirit of the living God. And you can be one, but not more than one. There's only one. There's only room enough for one. And so, again, being crystal clear here, if you are a follower of Jesus, there is no room in you for possession by, by a demon. You don't need to worry about that. You don't need to worry these things that we're talking about. Oh, could I, could I possibly be possessed? Could this happen? Something could you know, take over me. You cannot be possessed. If you've given your life to Christ, you cannot be possessed by any other spirit other than the spirit of God. There's just no room. He fills you up. And, and uh, you can be tempted. You, you could, you're certainly going to go through trials. And you may even stumble into sin. But that does not mean that you have become demon-possessed. And it also, got to hear this too. It also does not mean that every person that's not following Jesus is demon-possessed. That's not true. And I think about it as being uninhabited. Many of them are just empty. That's why you look at people and their lives just seem empty. There's just no purpose. It seems like they're just wandering through, bouncing around. You know, it's just, there's just nothing hopeless, nothing going on. And, and I say that because I know that probably all of us have encountered some crazy religious people that say that everybody that's not following Jesus is possessed by a demon. That you're possessed. I met a lady, uh, this has been a couple of years ago. That uh, So that was one of the things that kept her from following Jesus for a long, long time. It was because she had a grandmother that claimed that she was possessed and was always saying, hey, I'm praying for you, I'm trying to pray for that demon to come out of you. And she'd even lock her in a room and all these terrible, horrible things that she would do. Uh, and not every person is possessed. However, we, we certainly can be influenced. And there's a few things that I know about what demons do. So when you think about what do they do, what what... What's going on here in this spiritual realm? Well, demons influence the leaders of nations. We see that throughout Scripture with kings, pharaohs, governors. I think particularly in the story in the Daniel chapter 10, it talks about angels and demons warring within the, the leaders. We see this right now. I mean, this, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to miss. You know, what would possess a man like Vladimir Putin to attack the nation of Ukraine and send men to kill innocent people, bomb children's hospitals and nursing homes. What would possess somebody to do that? I've, I've read stories of these Ukrainians and, and, uh, and also Russians, people in Russia that are saying, and even some of the soldiers that say, what are we doing? Why, why would we do this? Is Putin possessed by the devil? I can't say. I don't know. But he's certainly being influenced. So, same with a guy like Adolf Hitler. You know, when you look at things that happen, evil is real. And lives can be destroyed. You think about the Holocaust. You think about September 11th. You think about genocide. You think about today in places all over the world. Where you have leaders of governments that will persecute and take the lives of anyone who claims the name of Jesus. What's behind that? What would possibly possess someone to, to be that evil? We have forces of darkness, there are demons at work. There's good and there's evil trying to influence the leaders of nations. There's several examples of that again in Scripture. What else do they do? Well, demons also desire to inflict suffering on you. They want to destroy you. 
It's certainly terrorizing this guy in Mark chapter 5. Uh, you think about that verse, it says that day and night he wandered around the burial caves. You know, he's just like in these tombs, these crypts, just wandering around, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. He, he was just a, just a shell of a man being tortured. In Matthew 17, there's a father who brings his young son to Jesus. So you think about like a six or seven-year-old boy, just a little kid, just a little innocent you know, I mean, just love these little kids. And, and the father says, please, Jesus, help my son. Help him. And, and it says in verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 15, it says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and he suffers terribly. And he often falls into fire, into the water. Why, why, why does he fall into fire or water? Because this, this evil spirit is trying to kill this kid. That's why. They want to they bring harm. It's another thing that demons do. They, they're going to leverage your weaknesses to lure you away from God. They, our spiritual adversary does not, will do anything that they can do to get us to not be in the will of our Heavenly Father. They want to knock you off course. They want to get your mind and your heart fixated and focused on something else. How can you be drawn away? That's why I get really, really nervous when I see people who pull away from the church and they isolate. They say, well, you know, we're just so busy. And I understand busyness. I, I get that. We're, we're all probably a little busy. But when we, when, we, when we focus on it, and they may not be bad things. Maybe they're just benign things or even good things. But we let that get in front of what's really most important. We allow ourselves to get isolated. And all of a sudden, the temptation comes. Just, the, just that... That spiritual force to drag us down. And, and you got to understand that Satan is crafty. Demons, they study you. They know your vices. They, they know you. They know your insecurities and your fears. They know where your areas of pride lie. I remember hearing Bob Russell preach a sermon years ago. I'll never forget this line. He said that when it comes to temptation, Satan always knows just how to bait a hook. Because he knows us. Because they see. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says that the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times some will turn away from the true faith. And they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. There's a really interesting passage. When we look at Mark 5, this guy is just being destroyed, right? He's having his life ripped apart. And I, I, I find it... I find it interesting, the sequence of events. You know, and that's what I love about a series like this when we go through the book of Mark. Because hopefully, you know, is anybody watching The Chosen? I hope you get a chance to check that out a little bit. It's, what I love about that series is it just shows you not just little isolated events or isolated stories, but how it's woven all together. That Jesus went from this place where he'd done this thing and now he's going here and doing it. And it just, it just builds and, and we see kind of... You know, it just kind of brings Scripture to life a little bit. I know they take some creative licenses, but it's kind of, kind of interesting, you know, just to, to see that. And that's why I love about this series. But the sequence that happens here, right before, right before Jesus meets this guy, he had just calmed the storm. He was in the back of the boat. Disciples are terrified. They think they're going to die. And, he, and, and then the, he casts the demons out of this man. And then right after this, he raises a little girl from the dead 
She, she had died. Actually, somebody said, oh, please come help, help my daughter. She's just died. And so Jesus is on his way to raise this little girl back to life. And it says that there was a woman with the issue of blood. She'd been bleeding for years. And she kind of snuck up on Jesus and touched the hem of his robe. And she was healed. And he knew that, that she had done that. And you've got Jesus calming storms, driving out demons, and healing and restoring. Calming the storms driving out evil and healing and restoring. That's what he still does for us. You are more than a body. You know, we're not just meat puppets walking around. You're, you're so much more than that. You, 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 you're, you've got a, a mind, a body, and a soul. And we recognize that sometimes the body is sick. If something's wrong and we need to be healed. But we also understand that sometimes our mind can be affected or afflicted in some way. And we, and we need uh, help like that just as we would break our wrist and might need to go to the doctor to be treated. In the same way, if there's something going on in our mind, we're dealing with depression or we're dealing with uh, you know, chemical imbalance or whatever, this, we need to ask help for that as well. But there's also the issue of our souls. And that's just as, just as real as the other and sometimes our soul needs healing we can be affected we can be afflicted and maybe there's some crossover if there's something going on with our soul that's caused us problems in our minds which then in turn causes problems in our body that's certainly the case with this guy he's got a real serious spiritual issue going on that has caused issues with his mind that has also caused issues with his body possessed by this evil spirit howling and cutting himself but the thing that i'm most encouraged by in this passage is Verse 6 through 8 says that Jesus was still some distance away. He wasn't even right up on this guy yet. He's still, he's still just down the, you know, down the beach a little bit. And it says the man saw him from a distance and then ran up and bowed low and, and with a shriek screamed, Why are you interfering with me? Well, just leave me alone. I see you there, but leave me alone. I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Notice how hostile that it was. How threatened. I don't know if you've experienced this. I certainly have it. But there are people in, there are people that I have met. Many people, if they, if they know, you know, if they're not, they're not a Christian, they're not following Jesus. They find, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, you're, you're a Christian. Most people are just kind of, yeah, it's just benign. You know, like, oh, okay, that's great. good for you. That's fine, whatever, great. You know, nothing. But every, just every so often, you'll meet somebody that is just over the top threatened by that. Just can't handle that. Why would, what, you know, what, what's wrong with you? Why would you, why would you think that? Why would you, what, and, and I mean, they, and it's not even that they're just, maybe, you know, it's not even that they had a bad experience sometimes. It's like they are just over the top. Like, I can't handle the fact that you say that you follow Jesus. I just can't handle that, and it makes me wonder. Those are things that just make me go, hmm. I don't know for sure, but every so often I say, what, what's causing you to be so threatened by that? Why does that bother you so badly? What's, what's, what's you know, motivating that? It just reminds us how much the devil is going is to work against the work of God. And he doesn't want to see you grow. He doesn't want to see anything happen. He doesn't want to see you following Jesus. He wants to keep you from that. But you, you notice the power of Jesus in that moment. With just, a, with just a word, this guy's healed. Just one word, that's it. Come out. Two words. But that's it. 
And, and it's, it's, Jesus has the authority over the spiritual battles that we face. It says the demons shrieked and they begged, don't torture us. In other words, don't kill us. Because they realize, they recognize, Jesus has the power to destroy us right now. That he is, he is sovereign even over us. And even when he was still at a distance, these demons realized this is the person that has the power over me. And can destroy my very existence. This isn't one of like, it's not one of those horror movies, you know, where it's like, okay, let's strap the person down and grab the holy water and, and you know, may the you know, power of Christ compels you. You know, it's none of that. It's none of that. Jesus strolls up and with a word shows his authority over every kind of spiritual force. He's in total control. Total control. And when Jesus was asleep on the boat in the middle of the storm, guess what? He was in total control. Maybe that's why he was asleep in the first place. Because he, maybe he was like, I'm not worried about this. I've got this. This is nothing. He is in complete control. And, and when he raises a, a little girl from the dead, when he heals a woman who'd been bleeding for years after she touches the hem of his robe, total control. And, and this is the question that you and I have got to wrestle with. We have got to answer this question, and it's got to be settled in our minds and in our hearts today. Is if Jesus has the power over the storm, and he has power over evil, and he has power over death. What is keeping us from trusting him? Why do I still wrestle with pockets of fear and doubt? And it's not even, it's not even fear, it's cowardice. Why, why do I do that? You know, in the storm, after Jesus took care of the storm, he asked the disciples, he said, why are you afraid? And I told you last week, if you're here, the word afraid, it's, it's not the same word. When you look at other places in Scripture, it says, you know, well, fear not or have no fear. It's not the same word. Them cowards, cowardly unbelievers. That's the word that he uses. So when he turned to the disciples, he said, why are you afraid? What he was saying is, why are you being cowards? I'm right here with you. <laughs> why are you not trusting me? Why, why are you letting your egos get in the way or whatever else? You think you've got this figured out. Why aren't you running to me first? What are the things in your life that seem so big? Because this is what I know is true. It's true because the power of God through the Holy Spirit is at work in every one of us that have accepted Christ as our Savior. This is a reality. This is a truth. We don't fight for victory we fight from victory we're already more than conquerors through Christ who loved us the Bible tells us that we don't we don't fight as if oh we hope we win we fight we already know that it's settled that the, this is already we've already won Christ has already conquered it's, it's already the victor over death and hell and the grave we're, we're just want to be hidden in him we fight from victory in this account with this guy and the demons and whatever is going on. This isn't a struggle. This isn't hard for Jesus. I'm not strapping him down and chanting and doing all these things. Just like calming the storm wasn't hard. Maybe he was asleep because he wasn't, he wasn't a big deal. With one word, the demons have to flee. One word. And in this case, they go into a herd of pigs, which is a crazy thing. If it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. 
Why? I, I have no idea. I don't understand it. I, I just one of those things that make you go, wow. You know, every time you think you can put God in a box, he does something else. Like, well, that was unexpected, but okay. Thought, I, thought I, I thought I knew. Had you all figured out, but there's always, there's always a little bit more. But there, the battle, there is a battle, and the battle's real. There's an evil force that is more wicked than you could ever imagine. And it wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that is close to the heart of God. And that includes you. The demons, they want your family. They want your marriage. And sometimes we think the struggles that we have, we just can't, we just can't seem to get on the same page. We just, we just always seem to have arguments and fights. And we just assume that everything is external. You know, we've got all these problems that are out here. How many things are... Is it spiritually we're, we're unwell? Spiritually, there's something that we, we need to take a look at here. They, this, your spiritual adversaries want to destroy your finances. They want to destroy your health and your relationship with God. Bottom line, they want you. They want to destroy you. The forces of darkness. Satan is described as a roaring lion. Crowling around looking for someone to devour. How do you fight? What do you do? You fight with the spiritual weapons of warfare. You fight with faith. And ultimately, you fight with the sword of the Spirit. This, is, this word of God is, is not just words. It has, it has I saw something uh, yesterday I thought was so good, so spot on. It was one of those memes, you know, somebody shared on Facebook. It said, I just wish I could hear from God. And somebody said, read your Bible. They said, oh, no, I mean, I, I, like, I want to hear from God, like, out loud. And they said, read your Bible out loud. <laughs> like, that's it, the Word of God, man. Get in it. Why, and, well, it's so hard for me. It's so hard for me. Don't you think you've got an enemy that doesn't want you in his Word? Why is it hard? Maybe because it's a spiritual, you've got a spiritual enemy that doesn't want you in the Word of God. And so he's going to make it challenging and make it difficult. Get in the Word of God. Let the, let the Word of God get into you and see what happens. We have the opportunity to come before the Lord in prayer. He says, I'm available. The curtain is torn in two. I have access to the Father at any moment. There's another world. It's real. It's, it's, it's even, maybe even more real than the world you see with your own eyes. How do you battle? Never, never, ever in your own strength. We don't flirt with demonic things. Don't flirt with that. We don't fight with our own strength. We fight in the authority of who God says you are in Christ. Above everything else, remember this. James 4, 7 and 8 says, Humble yourselves before God. Come before Him. Submit yourselves before the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will will come close to you. That's a great promise. Some of you may say, well, I think I've sort of humbled myself before God. It's time to be all in. It's time to stop playing games. It's time to stop saying, well, I come to church and that's, you know, that's what I do. It's time to say, Lord, this is, this is real and I know it's real and I see the impact and the influence that is in my life and I give you my life. I give you the reins. If you need to talk to somebody about that today, you can stop by our next steps area. Uh, I'm going to be here. I'd love to pray with you, talk to you.
some of you, it's time to take that step to say, you know what, I've been holding back. It's time to, it's time to accept Christ. It's time to be baptized into Christ. It's time to start living for Christ, being in the Word, getting on our knees in prayer, say, God, I, I don't have any of this figured out, but I need you. It's time to stop flirting with the world and to be all in. We pray for you. Lord, I thank you that you are, that you are sovereign over heaven and earth, that over everything that is living, every spiritual thing, you are in total control. Father, we know that the, the universe exists because you spoke it into creation. By your words, it was. And our lives, you hold them in the palm of your hands. Father, would you help us to trust you, increase our faith, God, that we would, would run to you in the moments uh, that we, we need help, and in the moments where we're on, riding high on the mountain, will we still run to you to give you thanks and, and all the glory for what you do in us. And Lord, I know that, it is, that there, there, are, there is a spiritual enemy that wants to, to take us out, to take us down. Help us, Father to have our hearts, our minds, our souls focused on you. May we be the branch connected to the vine. Remind us that we are the sons and the daughters of God. May everything else flow from that. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next Sunday.